Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. I was sitting here pondering as we were singing. And I wondered who really deserves a blessing. Brother Harvey came up here this morning and blessed us as a congregation. And I reflected a bit and I asked myself the question, who really deserves a blessing? I think Brother Harvey deserves a blessing and I want to give him one this morning. Brother Harvey and his family stood steadfast in the midst of a congregation that was divided and a significant element was pulling toward worldliness and Brother Harvey stood firm and eventually needed to move his family elsewhere. Bless you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for setting that example for others to follow. Amen. Appreciated the things that have been Shared here today already. I, uh, I'm trusting God that the delivery of the message will go a little bit better than the preparation did this morning. Uh, it's one of those times where it seemed the ends didn't want to come together very well. But... Um, That's when we trust God. As you know, those of you local here, I've been speaking on different fruits of the Spirit listed there in Galatians 5. And Somehow I got started at the bottom of the list and working my way backwards through it. This morning, uh, at the end of verse 22, says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Then goes on in 23, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Word, the word faith this morning. <clears throat> now, I came upon an interesting uh, discovery. Well, let me, let me just say this first. Maybe uh, just uh, refresh us just a little bit again on a word on the fruit of the Spirit. 
So in uh, just quoting here in Romans 8, 11 to 14 says this, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, those, that, those verses there in Romans uh, just really show us the, the reality of the Spirit in our lives and the reality of, of uh, as Romans, 16, or Romans 6 would talk about, yielding ourselves unto God. Um, for if ye, uh, if we through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Uh, basically, the Spirit of God, as we yield to the Spirit, as we pursue the Spirit in our life, the Spirit re, uh, infuses strength, grace, and power to do the right, and thus the fruit. Of the Spirit in our lives, it's uh, it's that hidden source of strength and energy that, as we yield to God, as we pursue God, as we pursue a life in God, the Spirit goes to work and enables us and strengthens us, and and thus the fruit of the Spirit is uh, becomes evident in our lives and experience. And as I said, as I started to say, I came upon an interesting uh, thing here in uh, Galatians 5, uh, verse 22, uh, the word faith. Um, so the, the NIV and also the ESV both have used the word faithfulness rather than the word faith. Now, if we were to just give definition or thought to those two different words, we would realize that we're kind of looking at, um, they're not the same. I guess I'll say it that way. You know, uh, faith, faith is, is that trust and that confidence in, in God that we don't see and in his, and in his, uh, uh, control of life and all those things, while faithfulness is more an outcome uh, in our lives. And so the question, okay, so uh, the fruit of the Spirit, is it faith or is it faithfulness? One translation has it one way and one another way. And I think it was Vines, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was Vines that said that the King, uh, King James actually has it translated incorrectly. <laughs> Um, and yet then uh, the Greek word um, that is shows up as faith in the New Testament many, many times, this word is the same Greek word here in Galatians 5. The word that is translated faithful, faith, faithfulness is actually not in our King James New Testament. It is uh, faithful is, but not faithfulness. 
faithful is uh, translated uh, with a different Greek word. When I say a different Greek word, they're, they're two numbers apart. Or they're not even apart. One's 4102 and the other 4103, I think, in this Strong's. <laughs> um, anyhow, so I had to de- kind of decide, okay, which way am I going to go here? Am I going to talk about faith or am I going to talk about faithfulness? If you look at the context of the fruits of the Spirit, uh, I would agree that faithfulness does fit. And when you think about what the fruit of the Spirit is, faithfulness fits as well. doesn't mean faith doesn't fit, but faithfulness does fit. You have their gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness. You know, it does fit in the context of what we're talking about there. So I have decided to go ahead and and pursue it from the standpoint of faithfulness. And um, then I also realized that um, a couple months ago I had preached a message on the reward of faithfulness. And uh, and after I was pretty well done with this message, I, I got to thinking about some of what I'm going to cover and I, I realized that some of what I'm going to cover, I've probably covered several times in the last year, some of the points. And then I started getting a little uneasy that people might start thinking I have a hobby horse. <laughs> So, I had to grapple with all those feelings, but anyhow, here we are. So, faithfulness in Christ, uh, or faithfulness. Uh, the, the, uh, the Strong's, no, it's Thayer's. The Thayer's definition uh, for uh, this, uh, this word faith, and this is the word faith, it gives us uh, two there are several different concepts of the definition, but one of them is the conviction of the truth of anything, which is, it's our belief, it's uh, uh, in the New Testament of the conviction or belief respecting, relating to man's relationship to God and divine things. So, kind of faith as we, as we, uh, you know, faith actually has three different, well, it has probably more than three. You know, you have faith, which kind of sums up our belief. We use that. Uh, and then you have faith as such as stepping out on the end of the limb and trusting God you aren't going to break. The limb's not going to break. You know, there's that kind of faith. And then there's also this definition of faith that uh, Thayer's had, which would fit this category we're looking at this morning. Uh, fidelity, faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. So that was also included in theirs in, uh, in the definition for the word faith. And uh, in this case, in, I believe that's what we would be looking at, that the fruit of the Spirit in the per- life of a person develops a character of one who can be relied on, one who is faithful, one who is, can be counted on. So, first off, first point, I'd like to uh, simply talk about uh, faithfulness to Christ. Um, 
You know, if we have trusted Christ for salvation, then we are not our own. There's uh, just a few verses that state that in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye not that the Lord, he is God, it is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. Uh, Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Uh, this is in the, in the middle of correcting, uh, 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 an error in the church, but we get a, we get a, uh, an understanding, uh, of who we are. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So your body and your spirit are God's. They're, they belong to God. And th- that, that sentence actually sums up our message today. Your, your body and your spirit. Uh, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So faithfulness to Christ. Faithfulness to Christ is keeping one's commitment to Christ all the way through life. Um, being diligent, being faithful in it. Colossians uh, 1.23, the first part of the verse, uh, says it this way. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Uh, that sums it up as well. Continuing in the faith, grounded and settled, and not moved away, not pulled aside, but uh, faithfulness. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that the Spirit of God will work in our lives, and we can expect that to be an out, uh, a result uh, in our lives. <clears throat> Colossians writer also says it this way, as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Uh, speaks of dependability, faithfulness, continuance. Uh, the way we started, keeping on to the end. Faithfulness to Christ, uh, maybe just thinking about uh, In John 28, uh, they, they asked Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So in, in, uh, in being faithful to Christ uh, means that we will continue to believe on him, continue to trust him. Trust him for uh, for forgiveness, for uh, justification, for uh, sanctification. Looking at a scripture in Romans three, verse uh, beginning in verse twenty one, as we think about uh, uh, justification, sanctification, uh, uh, being faithful in our confidence and trust in Christ for those things. 
says, but now the righteousness of, of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So we are um, we're called to be faithful, and, and Paul faithful in our uh, to Christ. And to our um, uh, belief that he is, in fact, the only way to salvation and sanctification and justification. And Paul, in Galatians, uh, he says this to the Galatian believers. He says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So they were not being faithful to Christ. They were moved away from their steadfast confidence in Christ and that he is, in fact, the way of salvation. And they were moved to another gospel, which he says, Paul continues, says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So faithfulness to Christ is to remain steadfast in in our faith of his uh, in his provisions for our salvation. And in Mark in Mark four thirty five we have the the uh, 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 story of the disciples in the storm. And I think of that often in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. Maybe i just read that. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent the multitude, they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. So that it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awaked him, say, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he saith unto them, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? As we think about being uh, faithful uh, to Christ, um, you know, and throughout life, and life uh, is not always just a pleasant uh, rowboat experience floating down the river. Sometimes uh, life gets turbulent, life gets difficult, and... Uh, we we can trust Christ. We can uh, we can trust Him that He is in fact 
still in control. You know, I, I guess I think of those in in uh, those uh, believers in places like Ukraine, and and uh, their whole world has been upset uh, by war and turbulence. And I, I, I read, um, I was reading some of you probably read it on the Ukrainian. Uh, prayer group or whatever it's called, about uh, the church that was having a thanksgiving service of sorts. Uh, I think it's what it was. And the question was raised, is it, is it, is it okay to be thankful to have a, a, a service of, of overflowing gratitude and praise when we're in the middle of a war and, and, and loss of life and, and turbulence? And the, and the response was yes. It is, you know, and it is, you know, God is, God is, uh, God is still on his throne. And that's something that uh, we always want to be steadfast in, that God is still on his throne, irregardless of how uh, turbulent uh, our world becomes. And we can, we can trust him. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy doesn't mean it's going to always work out the way we would want it to work out. But he is still on his throne. <clears throat> so faithfulness is to continue in the faith of Jesus Christ. Um, and, the fr- it's, and, and faithfulness is a fruit that the Spirit will develop and work in our lives as we uh, trust him and walk with him. The next uh, point I'd like us to think about a little bit is uh, faithfulness is keeping his commandments. Um, just a couple of scriptures here. Revelation 22.14 Blessed are they that do his commandments that they, have, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. 1 John 5 verse 3 says this, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. John 15 verse 10, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And then I guess that begs the question, okay, so what are His commandments? Um, so if we're going to keep his commandments, if we're uh, if evidence of love for God is keeping his commandments, then we ask the question, what are his commandments? Um, John 3.23, this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. That's the Apostle John. Uh, believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another. That sounds a little bit like the uh, uh, the two uh, great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. like to go a little further with that thought. Um, you know, it's really common to think about, um, you know, the, the, the Old Testament 
instruction, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, repeated in the New Testament. Uh, you have the uh, golden rule as you what how as you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. All great, all Bible principles. But I'm going to raise a question as to whether there isn't a principle that actually excels above that. Think about this. John 13:34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. John 15:9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And then John 15:12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. <clears throat> so, I think we all, uh, we all agree and understand the concept that, just for example, just go to the Old Testament and think about the, you know, you have all the laws and you have the two commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, so mind and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. On these hang all the law and the prophets, Jesus said. That means that every one of the laws that is ever written is hinged on one of those. It's an, it's an, it's a, uh, it's a, an instruction on how to carry out one of those laws. And you get into the New Testament, you know, the, the, the principle is the same. Life consists of those two premises, loving God and loving our fellow man. And uh, the, 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 the concept of loving as, uh, our neighbor as ourself, while it is a lofty concept, it really is, I'm going to suggest that this uh, new commandment that Jesus gives us here, that you love one another as I have loved you, supersedes the other. I'm not going to unpack that, but it would be something worthy to unpack. Um, I do believe it. it, it, If you stop and think about how Jesus loved us, and then you think about the contrast, loving my neighbor as myself, as I love myself, uh, be worth unpacking. Um, but anyhow, I'm just going to put that out there. And I, I don't think it's the first time we've heard that. I may have even said it already in the past. Um, so all, all, uh, all in all other commandments, you know, uh, uh, flow out of those two concepts, to love God and to love our fellow man. And faithfulness is to do that, to love God, to love our fellow man, and to walk that out in practical everyday life. That's a definition of faithfulness. Uh, and that's what the Spirit of God will work in our lives if we uh, give, uh, yield ourselves to him and pursue him and seek uh, Seek uh, his uh, guidance in life.
The next uh, concept I'd like to think about just a little bit, and this one is found in Matthew uh, 6, and also, yeah, different, several different verses, and we'll, we'll kind of stick in the Sermon on the Mount a bit from here on, so you can turn there. Matthew 6, Matthew 6.33, we are, we are commanded to have a kingdom focus says that, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're commanded to have a kingdom focus in, uh, in, in, in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then repeating verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So in, in, uh, in faithfulness to Christ, one of the Aspects of faithfulness is to be committed to his kingdom first and foremost and to recognize the, uh, the reality of, of earthly treasures and the fact that they can, in, they, can in, they can pull our hearts away from Christ. They can pull our commitment back uh, from Christ. And uh, we're clearly warned about that. And so, faithfulness to Christ, uh, the Spirit of God as a fruit in our lives of faithfulness will nudge us toward a kingdom focus, a keeping the kingdom foremost in our hearts and keeping the things of the kingdom alive in our in our uh, uh, interests and pursuits and and uh, to be aware of the pitfalls of of uh, this material world and all its uh, glitz and glamour and treasures. So faithfulness is is continuing uh, in a kingdom focus and keeping our hearts uh, exercised in a kingdom focus. And then going on in Matthew here, uh, like I said, we'll be just simply mostly sticking, uh, uh, looking at several different things that Jesus taught here in the uh, Sermon of the Mount. I'd like to talk about a little bit about faithfulness in forgiveness in Matthew six fourteen to 15, the end of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says these words, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now this, this scripture um, and this subject is one that... Um, that I've spoken on before and, and one that I've also had conversations with people about. And I'd like to try and answer a question that sometimes 
comes up, and and that is the question. So we sometimes present this subject of forgiveness as a uh, we don't qualify it. We just it's a flat out. It's you forgive and that's it. What about a person who doesn't deserve forgiveness, or the person who doesn't repent, um, or the person who, um, yeah, you, you, you're not. Sh- what about when, when um, the scripture speaks of whom I have turned over to Satan that he may learn not to blaspheme? So he apparently he wasn't forgiven. I'd like to try and clarify some of that if I can this morning. Um, I'm going to read Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17 in the ESV. It's a familiar scripture. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen... Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be unto you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So there's a a process given here in... uh, Matthew, that if someone sins against us and how to handle it. Uh, first off, we're told to talk and have a conversation one-on-one. Then we are told that if that doesn't gain the, uh, the desired result, then we are told to take a second and a third person with us. Now, Is that second or third person, is that is the purpose of that only to try to convince the erring individual and back him in a corner? Is that the only intent for that second and third person? I don't think so. I think one of the intents of, of, of the second and third person is also to make sure that you, in feeling like you were sinned against, are actually accurate in your assessment. So that it's 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 a, it's taking a situation and broadening it out. And if 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 not a suitable solution is found on that level, then it takes it to another level of the church. And I think I'm safe to say that those same principles carry on to that third level. And that a group of brethren need to, to evaluate and discern a given situation because, you know, it's actually pretty easy to find two or three people that agree with me, right? And so, um, so then the, the situation is taken to the church. And if, in fact, it is determined, finally, in the end, it is determined that this individual has sinned, is not responding in repentance and amending his owning his sin and amending his ways, then it tells us here that if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So 
when it is determined in the context of the church that this person is indeed sinned against this brother and is not repent, repenting, the relationship changes. This person is no longer regarded as a brother in Christ. The relationship has changed. And that's, it needs to change. It's, that's what we're told here. The relationship should change. What that all looks like, um, that's probably going to vary in various situations. However, I would like to unpack forgiveness in the middle of a situation like that. I believe forgiveness is still essential by the one who is sinned against, irregardless of the outcome of all of those conversations and the fact that the relationship has changed. Forgiveness in that situation is not, uh, is not continuing the, the, the relationship, yeah, uh, forgiveness is not continuing with the relationship the way it always was. The scripture is very clear on that. But forgiveness has to do with what is going on in my heart in that situation. So if, if, uh, if I've been violated and someone has They've, whatever they've done to me, it, it, it was bad enough that it came to the church and the church, uh, agreed this was sin, this was not Christ-like, this was ungodly, it was wrong in this person's life, and in order for our relationship to stay on the same level, there needs to be repentance and amendment of life, okay? Uh, and uh, since that doesn't, hasn't happened, now the relationship has changed, but I am still left with this issue of what am I going to do with what's in my heart? What am I going to do with those feelings in my heart of, of uh, revenge or anger or bitterness that I have toward that person because they violated me? They did something to me that was wrong. And it was wrong. That's not even the question. But what am I going to do with what's in my heart? That's where forgiveness comes in. If in our hearts, and I've, I've used this illustration various times, uh, forgiveness, unforgiveness is like somebody has violated us and we, we, we put them like a bird in a cage. You know, we have this cage. And some of us have had them in the past. We don't have any for years now, but maybe some of you do. You have a little bird and you have a little cockatiel or something in there in a cage. But you have this bird in a cage. And if you are, if there, if there's, if you can picture the person that violated you and you have them stuck in this cage. And if in your heart there is something that wants to retaliate, wants to make them miserable, wants them to pay for what they did to you and you get a stick and you goad that you know it's like you make you 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 poke at it and you you just you somehow you you, you just don't want them to rest uh be in peace in that cage because after all 
they damaged your life, they hurt you, they made, you know, they did this, they did that, and you just, you just want to get back at them somehow. If that kind of thing is going on in your life, you will not prosper until you are able to come to the place where you can actually open the door to that cage and let him go. Let it go in your heart. Let go of those feelings. Those, And this is, we're talking about things that sometimes need an incredible amount of the grace of God. That is reality. But that is forgiveness. To actually let them go and not hold them in that cage. No, the relationship is not the same. We, we, we understand that. And it won't be if there isn't a, a, a clear repentance at some point. But in order for us as individuals to, to be able to go on with our lives and not be held captive by that situation, we will have to get to the place where in our hearts we are no longer wanting them to pay. We are no longer wanting them to hurt because we were hurt. We're no longer wanting life to go bad for them because they deserve it. And that's where we have to come to in our hearts. Um, if we, uh, yeah, that's, that's the definition of forgiveness. Doesn't, like I said, doesn't mean that, uh, that a situation is dismissed. Another thing to think about in, uh, in life in general, um, and, and this, this scripture bears this out as well. In general, when, when there are things that happened, someone is wronged. In general, even in your uh, Pennsylvania courts and in your Supreme Courts and all your courts of the land, the person who was offended is not the person who, who meets out the judgment. There are courts and trials and juries and all kinds of things that take care of that. And this scripture actually bears out the same concept. It's not the individual. It's not you as a person. In, 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 even in the context of the church, it's not you as a person who meets out, finally decides what this person, how this person should be handled because of what he did to me. It's actually in the context of the church where the the uh, the church determines and walks through it and looks at it and 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 yeah do they always do everything right uh, they probably don't but let's recognize the principle realize that God put it there and uh, it can help us in sorting our way through things like this when uh, when we uh, Realize that uh, something happened that shouldn't have happened in the life of your experience as a Christian. And so, just trying to answer that question that comes up sometimes. I don't know if that still leaves some unanswered questions or not. Um, again, uh, just thinking about this verse yet as we before we uh, move on from that thought. Um, Romans twelve nineteen says this, Dearly beloved, 
avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I appreciate that in ESV as well. Beloved, never never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, sometimes you might feel like, well, if I don't do something about it, no one will. And uh, granted, there are times when situations happen and somebody should blow the whistle. We, we, we know that. We're not, we're not trying to deny any of that. But the scripture does say, and again, I'm coming back to our hearts. Coming back to our hearts. We have to get past the point of our vengeance if we've been violated. And leave that to God. Um, and again, I, I'm not at all talking about when the whistle needs to be blown and there's something happening that shouldn't be happening. There's a chance it's going to happen to someone else. Not, no excuses for those kind of things. We're not talking about covering those kind of things. Nothing at all of that nature. We're talking about uh, dealing with things that uh, I think you understand. I think you understand. Um, being able to give it to God and... and uh, be free in our hearts to go on with life, to prosper in life, and not be held captive by that situation. Also, this this next point here in Matthew five uh, comes right on the heels of it, and we'll we'll look at that a little bit. Another one that is sometimes hard to uh, know how it all settles out in real life. Um, Matthew 5, 21, 22 says uh, in this uh, sub, uh, subject of anger, says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of counsel. And whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Uh, appreciated that one in the ESV as well. Uh, just as a little simpler language, maybe. Reads this way. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel to the council, and whosoever says you fool will be liable to health the 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 hell of fire <clears throat> and this is another one that uh, another subject that gets a little sticky sometimes when we start classifying anger as righteous anger against sin <laughs> um it gets a little sticky. I and I will say this: the you, you probably may not have picked it up. I'm not sure. Um, the the King James says, "Who is angry with his brother without cause?" That is not that without cause is not present in the ESV or the ASV. Um, some would say that. There was an issue of anger. I don't know if it was with this actual King James that uh, this Bible got its name from. 
an issue of anger with a brother, and so he felt like uh, he had a cause, and so it was put in there as for co- without a cause, you know. Uh, I don't know if that's true, if that's hearsay, <laughs> so don't repeat it on my basis. But uh, anyhow, uh, we do know, we do know quite well, and I, I, I realize, I, I know you, you look at situations sometimes and uh, someone uh, violates a, a minor or whatever, you know, you can name a lot of situations. And there's something in our hearts that can rise up with a holy vengeance, a holy uh, indignation. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, I just know that we as human beings have to be extremely careful and not make excuses for anger. <laughs> we, uh, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, the scripture says. And uh, there's that verse in Ephesians they're about not letting the sun go down on your wrath. Um, years ago, I had done a little bit of study or tried to learn, uh, tried to learn the low German language and had me a low German Bible. And one of those verses, that verse there in Ephesians, if I understood the context correctly, it basically said it this way. Uh, Be careful when you're angry that you don't sin worse. Uh, is the way I understood the that low German Bible to say it. So, the long and short of it is, in general, anger is not a good thing in the life of a human being. That's just the long and short of it. Uh, generally, what we do in when our when we are agitated, you know, anger is an agitation of our spirit. And generally what we do in that kind of a state probably doesn't have any real good lasting results or benefits to anyone. And uh, I think it's it's good for us to to recognize that and and realize that the, the Spirit of God and faithfulness uh, that the Spirit of God wants to work in our lives is will will uh, move us help move us past the uh, pitfall of anger if we find ourselves there. All right, moving on, Matthew five twenty-seven to 30. This is uh, verses on purity. You have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her already in his heart. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Uh, We'll stop there for the moment. Again, a subject that is very pertinent to our day. we live in a day where our world hardly has any standards of purity. And we are living in this world, but we are not left without uh, hope and strength and grace where there are ways to deal with this 
promiscuous society and environment and world that we live in, and I'm thankful for that. You know, um, accountability in our lives is one good way to, to safeguard against participating in, in uh, unclean things. Um, books and reading materials and screens and all those kind of things that are part of our world. Uh, I'm thankful, thankful uh, again and again when I hear of, of people who are living in victory in the middle of it. I'm thankful for that. Uh, praise God for that. It's... Um, yeah, it's been it's a real test to the end time church. Some of these easy easy access to iniquity and debauchery, uh, and many many fall have fallen, but uh, many have also come forth and made their need known and have gotten the victory through Jesus Christ and with the help of others in their lives. So the fruit of the spirit. Is uh, will lead us to a life of purity. Faithfulness is faithfulness in purity. And then the next verses here speak of uh, of the marriage covenant. It hath been said, verse thirty one: Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. And faithfulness in our marriage uh, covenant. You know, Jesus teaches us the sacredness of marriage. Um, in Matthew 19, we have uh, another scripture that addresses that subject. Matthew 19, verse 3. Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? He answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let non man put asunder. And they go on and, and question the... Uh, ah, let's just read it. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Um, so the sanctity of marriage, faithfulness to the marriage covenant, um, the Spirit of God will lead us in that fruit, in that uh, pursuit. To be faithful, and not only faithful just on the outward, but faithful in heart. Faithful, uh, not just putting up with each other, but loving each other. Not just doing, uh, existing together, but doing life together. Uh, enjoying life together. Uh, if you're not there... 
Pursue it. It's available. It's the will of God. Uh, faithfulness. To, faithfulness to Christ requires us to be faithful to our spouse. It's part of the uh, commitment to Christ is being faithful to our spouse. One more point. Uh, this one I find in Mark 8, 34. And that is faithfulness in confessing our faith to a lost world. I'll read eight, uh, beginning uh, Mark eight thirty four to the end of the chapter. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my, of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. <clears throat> Again, uh, faithfulness in confessing our faith to a lost world, uh, denying ourselves, denying, um, you know, we all, we want to be liked. We like to be well thought of. We don't like people to get offended at us. And it's sometimes hard to speak up for Christ because of that. We kind of don't want people to, we don't want to get in, we don't want people to, to feel ill toward us because they didn't want to be reminded of the truth. And yeah, it's some, uh, it can, uh, oftentimes it can be easier to be quiet than to speak. And uh, faithfulness to Christ, faithfulness in confessing our faith, to not be ashamed of it, to be willing to bear the reproach that goes with it, and uh, not be ashamed of Christ, of his word, of his truth, of his principles, of his uh, teachings, and uh, lest he's ashamed of us. So faithfulness, a fruit of the Spirit. You know, we live in a day um, where e- when evil is called good and good is called evil. But the Word of God still teaches us the truth. We still have a premise of truth that we can, we can a, a basis to go to and find truth. And faithfulness, to be faithful, uh, we will s- uh, study and desire to walk in the truth. To live with, uh, with a desire to experience the truth in our own lives and to teach it to others and to see others experience the realities of the truth of Christ and uh, of salvation and of uh, a spirit-led life. So faithfulness. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness, one that can be counted on. Going back to that definition, if I can find it here. 
faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. The one who, one who is dependable, one who is steadfast when it comes to the kingdom and kingdom life, one who is diligent and uh, from beginning to end. So may God add his blessing. I think I'll uh, leave off at that and maybe if you're able, kneel with me and we will close with prayer. Our Father and our God, again, we come to you with gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for the scriptures that we have freely available to us. Thank you for your spirit that is also here, present with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all the believers that are here this morning. Bless each one. And Lord, for those who are not believers yet, we ask that your spirit would draw them to yourself, that you would call them with a clear call to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, to become one of the faithful, uh, faithful brethren, faithful sisters. Lord, thank you. Thank you that uh, you have not uh, left us. You have not uh, left us as orphans, as the scripture would say, but you have Uh, sent your spirit to be our comforter and our help. We pray that the fruit of the spirit in each of his aspects could uh, continue to develop in each of our lives, becoming uh, more and more uh, prevalent uh, day by day as we walk with you and yield to you. Father, we think this morning about those who are in Ukraine and other parts of the world where there is significant suffering. Uh, significant uncertainties in their futures. We ask for your continued grace and blessing in their lives. Ask, Father, that you would, especially the believers, that you would comfort them, that you would strengthen them, that you would uh, lift up their eyes uh, beyond the current uh, calamities and uh, lift up their eyes to see you and your faithfulness in the midst of it. And Lord, do show yourself strong on their behalf. Uh, Strengthen their faith. Think of the persecuted church across the world. Uh, Strengthen their faith. Help them to be strong and courageous. And uh, for us here in America, Father, where the uh, uh, challenges that we face are so much more subtle, and we ask that we would be faithful and that we would recognize the, the, uh, the cutting edge of where our faith is uh, being tested. And uh, we would be wise in discerning those things. So, Lord, again, thank you for this assembly. Thank you for the freedom to gather this way. Thank you that our governments allow us this freedom. And we do ask a blessing on each one who have been here today and any who had a desire to be here but were not able. Bless them as well. And again, Father, thank you. We commit our lives to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.